Welcome back to the 1010 Project Podcast. My name is Tyler Reagan, and me and the co-founder of 1010, Josh Turner, are honored that you take a few minutes to be with us today. We are excited to launch into a couple new episodes over the next uh, few weeks with some amazing speakers. One of the things that Josh and I are always thinking about is who are the voices, who are the leaders, who are the pastors who have lived through some of potentially the leadership pain, some of the pastoral pain, but also the great things about leading in the church, the ways that God has called us to serve at a higher level, to be life-giving to those that we lead. And so we, uh, we have a couple episodes coming up that will absolutely fit the bill for that conversation. And so um, they're going to be amazing. Three things I want to let you know about. If you are interested in being a part, we are filling up fast our spring. We have four, two trips, but four groups uh, that will be kicking off the end of February, beginning of March, snowmobiling and Jackson Hole, and then spend the year together. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, please DM us, either Josh and I personally and Instagram. You can send a message to Christine at 1010project.com, and she can get you set up with a time to talk to Josh or I. Uh, so if you're interested in that, a couple other things is um, we have two partners who have been with us from the beginning who are unbelievable partners. We're so grateful for them. Convoy of Hope. Um, uh, you can go to convoyofhope.org to find out more about them. But Convoy of Hope is one of the best premier um, really nonprofits around taking care of kids, serving, teaching farmers in, in other countries how to uh, create the best food supply to be able to serve the people in their communities. But one of the things that we've connected with them on on multiple fronts, and including my work at First Orlando, is disaster relief. Uh, I just lived through my first hurricane here in Florida, and I can see why the power of bringing help and need for those who need at the times of disaster and also sharing the gospel at the same time. It's amazing. So Convoy of Hope has been a partner with us. They believe in pastors. They believe in leaders. They want you to be well and take care of yourself, and they are willing to support that. So again, convoyofhope.org, you can check out more. And then Compassion, compassion.org. I think it is, compassion.org. They are, uh, they've been a part, I've been working with them for a decade, and they, again, have come alongside of us to serve pastors and leaders. So um, Compassion serves in, in last I heard, 27 countries. Um, over 2 million kids are sponsored through Compassion International, and I'm so grateful for the work that they do. And you can go to Compassion.org to find out more about them. Compassion International is unbelievable. So uh, without further ado, I want to get into these conversations that Josh had with these incredible leaders, and I'm so thankful um, that we get to do what we get to do, and God's calling us to continue to do new things. One thing I would ask you to pray about if you lead a church or you're an organization or um, you're just looking for a place for some year-end giving, um, God has been calling us to do more and serve more leaders, and to do that, we're trying to get the price down, which means we have to go raise some money to do that. And so uh, if God just puts it on your heart as you're listening to this to figure out a unique way to give, you can just go to our website, 1010project.com, and there's a donate page. We'd love for you to participate. And um, we don't want to give anybody, we don't want to miss a chance for anybody to be blessed by what God has to do in the heart of the giver. So thanks for being a part. Thanks for listening. Hope these episodes encourage you. And uh, we're grateful for the time that you take to be a part of the 1010 Project. Hey, 
Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the 1010 Podcast. My name is Josh Turner. You have been hearing my the co-founder and my buddy, Tyler Reagan, do a lot of these podcasts, but we're going to be switching it up a little bit here. And hopefully you know this, but the 1010 Podcast, it comes from Ecclesiastes 1010. And the way that we say it is a dull axe requires more work, so use wisdom to sharpen the blade. And I'm excited today about who we are having on the podcast. And I've already kind of warned him that I'm going to ask him to speak about himself a little bit, which I know he doesn't like to do. Uh, But we have the provost of Southeastern University with us, Dr. Bill Hackett. And I'm going to speak first about how much I love Dr. Hackett. Uh, His son-in-law is one of my closest friends. But when I was pastoring in Orlando, Uh, Dr. Hackett and I, he would drive to a McDonald's halfway. I would drive to a McDonald's halfway and we would sit. And basically he was just someone that I wanted to learn from. And uh, Dr. Hackett, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Thanks, Josh. And I'm glad to be here. I'm actually the provost emeritus. I don't even know what that means. I barely graduated from Florida State. so (laughs) That means I retired from this position, but I'm still teaching full time. Okay. Part of the leadership team. So how long, so tell us a little bit about you. I, you have two doctorates. Yeah. How long have you been married? Tell us about your family. Um, Cause I, I know that, you know, a lot of these answers are going to be longer than most people's. So that's <laughs> what I appreciate. Well, um, I'm 75. I've been married for 56 years. We eloped. We were not believers, and we actually forged our marriage certificate. And because uh, you had to be uh, 21, and I was 19, and, and Judy was 18. Nice. But I think after 56 years, I think you're legal now. Yeah. And uh, we had. Uh, <laughs> you're at least common <laughs> law at this point. Common law, something wrong. <laughs> with that. We got, we became Christ followers about six years into our marriage. And so what did that? So what did that look like for you? Oh, it was. We were into the whole hippie thing. Uh, yeah. Drugs, uh, LSD. We had marijuana growing in our backyard, and we we were actually on a trip. We took five weeks in September, and uh, I had a pickup truck, and I had built a camper on the back. And so okay. we were we were actually planning to go from Pennsylvania, where right outside Philadelphia, up to Alaska. Okay. And we were going to back then you could homestead 160 acres. Okay. So we were tired of the drug thing, and we just thought there was something else, and we just wanted to get away from it all. And on the way, we stopped and. A little town just probably about 100 miles south of Canada in Minnesota called Black Duck, Minnesota. Okay. You, you drive into town and they have a big plaster uh, Black Duck. Okay. And uh, my my sister is married to my wife's brother. All right. We're not weird, but. You know, okay. <laughs> but, not well, okay. That's, those are two different <laughs> topics. <laughs> but anyway, they we had actually lived together and doing drugs and everything. And they had left about a year prior and, and moved up to Minnesota and we stopped to see them and they had become Christ followers. Okay. So uh, they shared their testimony with us. And the next day it was Sunday. So we went to church with them in the morning. And that afternoon uh, they said, uh, you know, we're going to go get baptized in one of the 10,000 lakes there. And so uh, we went out and the pastor asked uh, everybody, uh, what does Jesus mean to you? And they talked about Jesus like he was alive and well. Yeah. So they didn't have a Sunday night service, but we went over to the pastor's house and he went through a little track called the four spiritual laws. And yeah, we took the step of faith. We said, well, at least we'll try it. We've tried everything else. So let's try this. Yeah. And we went on our way. And uh, my brother-in-law had given me a Bible and said, read this. And if you find anything that doesn't make sense, throw it away. And yeah. we didn't throw it away, but we yeah. saw some miracles happen along the way. I had bad allergies and I didn't have any medication and 
uh, we just prayed and yeah, it cleared right up and it was just so neat. And then so that uh, yeah. moment changed everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a year later, we, we actually found a little assembly guy church when we came back to uh, Pennsylvania Okay, and uh, there was probably 35 people in it and uh, a lot of uh, Italians in that area. So yeah. when the pastor was praying, I, these other people were praying. I thought they were praying in Italian, but they told me, later <laughs> speaking. I never heard of Pentecost. I never heard of this of the God. I never heard of speaking in tongues. So yeah. this is a why, but he was a senior at what is now the University of Valley Forge. Okay, and uh, he he uh, he had the school praying for us because hey, these two hippies came into my my church type of thing, and but he really discipled us. And uh, I had led a friend to the Lord that I worked with, and, and one day we were going to work, and he said to me, he said I think I'm going to go to Pastor Dave's college. Yeah. And I said, why do you want to do that? And he said, I want to. I want to know more about God. And yeah. we kind of talked through the day. And by the end of the day, I, I said, sounds like a good idea. So I came home, talk, told my wife, we told the pastor. So then we're, we're going to college and, and just to know more about God. But God you know, had something else in store for me. So. I, I, I love, I can just imagine you as a former hippie standing in a church service and being like, <laughs> man, all these people are speaking Italian, but they're really <laughs> speaking in tongues. You know, whatever you're listening, you know, if you're a listener, whatever your theological slant is on and all that, but I just love it. So you've been married now, you said 56 years. So you eloped, you've been married 56 years. And our hope that there's a bunch of pastors, Christian business leaders listening to this. What have you, how have you made it 56 years in marriage? Like, what are some very practical things that, that you've learned? I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I really don't know how people make it without uh, their faith. Yeah. And, and because I always look at the Bible, like, I, I always say we're supposed to be disciples first and then married people second. Yeah. And so we have to do the God thing there. And there's been times when I, I remember one time I, I was, uh, telling God, I, I don't feel like I love Judy anymore. Yeah. And I felt like God just said to me, so what? You yeah. made a decision, pal. And love is a command. And your command to love your enemy and your, your neighbor somewhere in between there is your wife. And he yeah. said, and, and I just felt he said, just start acting like you love her. And uh, so I did that. And man, it, the feelings came back. And, and I, I, you know, I've read where love lasts long. Uh, maybe a couple yeah. of years or something like that. So uh, that's never happened again because I know what to do. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's, there's times I remember doing a sermon one time on John 13, you know, Jesus washing the disciples feet and God said, Hey, this is for you. All right. And uh, there's your wife, yeah. you know, yeah. no matter how you feel on a certain day, if you're angry, if you had a little tip or something like that, man, you're the lover and server. So, I mean, the Bible is, God speaks to me in that way. And, uh, just being a Christ follower, you know, Do you and there's times that she, she said to me, Josh, you know, she's told me, uh, you need to go spend with time with God. I know what she's telling me there. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you see a lot of people in the church world and especially pastors? Cause I know you work a lot with pastors and students mm -hmm. that what they've done is they've made love more of just like the emotion. And when the emotion's gone, they think that they try to step out of it. Yeah. Just in the past month, I've come across three guys that are going through a divorce, and they've all told me their wife said, uh, "I really like you. You're my best friend, but I don't. I'm not in love with you anymore." Mm -hmm. And 
We, we realized that some with pastors uh, that I work with during COVID is, you know, they were, you know, unfortunately, a lot of pastors, they end up building the, the church first and their family second. And when they were forced to be home with their family, we were getting some phone calls of pastors going, you know what, I really don't like my wife or my family. And, and so how, you know, besides just going back to the word, were there anything, anything practical that you and Judy did to like get through those hard times for anyone that's like right now, you know, they're going through a hard time. This is how they get through it in their marriage. Yeah. I praying a lot together. Yeah. Uh, and now every morning before I leave the house, we're going to, I'm going to hold her and we're going to pray. And, you know, that was awkward at first. And again, I, I grew up in a non-Christian. It's environment. still awkward for me. Bill. <laughs> it's still like, I have this tendency and I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Like she'll pray something and then I want to fix her theology in her <laughs> prayer, you know, which I don't ever recommend. Yeah, that's you know, but I, you know, I do my devotions in the morning. I work yeah. in the morning and praying with her. I feel like, man, I've got my armor on for the day. So let me ask you this. This kind of leads into my second question. How long have you been walking with the Lord now? You're 75. Oh gosh, close to 50 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how I remember when I got saved and I, man, I was on like fire. Everything I did was prayer, worship. You know, I went a little legalistic. And for those of you that know me, that's very hard to believe, uh, but I went legalistic for a season. And um, I remember a friend telling me, it was actually the guy that led me back to the Lord. He said, Hey man, he said, it's not always going to be this easy. Mm. There are going to be moments where you have to fight to keep the fire going. So you just mentioned you do your daily devotional. What does that look like for you? And then how have you continued to fight to keep the fire for the Lord burning inside of you? Uh, and I'm just going to say this, this is what works for me. I tried. Yeah, yeah. And this is somebody told me one time, and I was struggling as a new believer with uh, doing devotions, paying tithe, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I remember just praying, God, you know, I want to be, I want to be the man that you want me to be. And he, he I just felt he said, well, start tithing, start yeah. doing what you're reading supposed the to Bible do. every day. And yeah. somebody told me, uh, you know, read two chapters out of the Old Testament, two out of the New yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, read uh, a Psalm every day and uh, read a proverb every day, a chapter. Yeah. And so basically every month I'm going through Proverbs every three months, I'm going through the book of Psalms. And uh, then at least it's close to three times a year that I'm going through the new Testament. And one time that I'm going through the old Testament and that's just worked it, it, for me. And I've heard people do different things. You got to find what feeds you. Yeah. And, and then Josh, I read a lot of uh, devotionals. Okay. Uh, and, what are some of your favorite ones? You've given uh, me some that I, that I have read. You've given me other books that I haven't read, but you've given, <laughs> you, you've given me some that I have read. Um, what are some of your favorite devotionals? Yeah, the, some of the uh, Catholic priests have really ministered. Okay. Richard Rohr. Yep. Brandon Manning. Uh, okay. Henry Nowen. I think I've read every Henry yeah. Nowen book there is. And they just have a way, you know, of presenting things and uh, connecting with God that I think Protestants are slow on. Yeah. Uh, John Stott. Yep. Uh, Tim Keller. I read yeah. a couple by him, one on the Psalms, uh, you know, the Psalms of Jesus and another on Proverbs. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at him right now. Eugene Peterson. Yeah. Eugene Peterson is, I think, the season that I've walked through in life, which you you know about. Um Eugene Peterson has probably ministered to me the greatest out yeah. of every author that's out there right now. 
he's just he's just basic and raw. Yep. And uh, yeah, uh, Frederick uh, Bigner. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing that name down. And he, he spells it differently. It doesn't pronounce Beekner, but he spells it as B E U C H N E R. Yeah, I would have never found that. <laughs> so, so uh, here's a question. This then this kind of comes from myself personally. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've learned in my own life, and you've been in mini- in the ministry world for a while now. Um, I work for a few different organizations. You know, I work with you guys at Southeastern now, uh, take that Florida state university. And (laughs) one of the things that I've had to fight is sometimes I feel like more of a professional Christian than I do a follower of Jesus. And it's almost like my, I've become very good. And I think some pastors, they would all fall into this category to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. Was there ever a season for you of that where you were like, man, am I doing this just because this is what I do now? Or am I, am I continually to do this because truly at my core, this is what I believe. And if so, how did you fight it? And if not, then you're just a better Christian than me, Bill, which we all know anyway. <laughs> uh, there have been times like that. Yeah. You, you fight it by, uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, just understanding God's love. I, I yeah. love the, uh, the two prayers that are in Ephesians. Okay. Uh, you know, chapter one, he says, uh, I pray that uh, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. I mean, he's writing to people that he first of all says are believers and yeah. they have good faith. Uh, and then he, he prays that we might know the hope of we're calling uh, God's inheritance in us, God's inheritance in us. Yeah. That that's us becoming who we're meant to be. Yeah. And, and then he says, and to know the power that that works in us, that that same power raises up Christ. And then when I get to chapter three and he talks about to know the love of God, which surpasses understanding. Yeah. There, we're never going to know the full love of God. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's always going to be more for us. And that that so humbles me. Yeah. That God would love me and, you know, my past and uh, even as a believer, uh, there's things that sins of omission, sins yeah. of sins of commission. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. Time you do it. One of the one of the best books um, that I have read on the heart of God is Gentle and Lowly. Oh yeah, by Dane Ortland. Yes, I think. yes. Uh, I'm going through it for the second time right now, and man, it, there has not been a better book that has helped me reconcile God's love for me in yeah. the midst of my sinfulness. Yep. And, uh, it's still, and, and what's crazy is it's still hard for me to believe it. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause I know all the reasons I'm unlovable, you know, <laughs> and all the reasons that God should be like, I I'm done with this guy. He's not going to get it. Have you, um, I'm sure you've had to deal with this and this is something I see a in myself. It's funny. Cause you see it in other people because you recognize it in yourself first mm-hmm. off. How have you battled, uh, being in ministry and cynicism? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I, I guess just looking at myself. Yeah. And you, know, I, you ever read uh, Ignatius of Loyola? The, uh, no, Spirit Bill, you don't even need to ask me that. You know I have not read that book. I don't know. You can't even pronounce a guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, what, a 15th century monk. And yeah. he, it, it's said as a devotional. You know, he gives you weekly okay. activities to do. But uh, so many times he talks about our depravity, our sinfulness. 
And I said, man, step on my toes over and over. Again. Yeah. And that, that gets rid of the cynicism. Uh, yeah. Word here. yeah. Uh, being a cynic at that, yeah. in that. and uh, you know, that's my, when I, when I get that way or have that attitude, I know that's my humanness coming out okay. and uh, it's, it's probably part of pride Yeah. Uh, that, you know, we're looking down at somebody, you know, who am I to look down on somebody when we're all sure. Yeah. Well, I, I found in my life, I found in my own life that it's easier to look down on somebody else so I can ignore my own stuff. <laughs> 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 okay. So, um, what is the greatest lesson that you've learned in your leadership journey? That if you were to sit, cause I know that you are, you're still teaching, you're still shaping, uh, young minds. What is the one thing that you're like, man, if I could get every student that I'm able to speak to. Um, also I read a bunch of the reviews of you as a teacher and apparently you're a very hard grader, Bill. <laughs> that's, that's what, <laughs> this is one of the reviews, right? <laughs> yeah. At least the mad one said that you're a really hard grader. But I, what is what's the greatest lesson that you've learned in your leadership journey? One that really shocked me was in Henry Nowen's book, The Living Reminder. Okay. And uh, you know, Henry was uh, taught at Notre Dame, Yale, uh, yep. Harvard, and he taught in practical ministry and pastoral counseling. And uh, he he said Jesus didn't pull away to spend time with the father to charge his batteries to do ministry. Yeah. And I'd always heard that, you know, that's what you, you got to charge your batteries, just spend time with God so you can do ministry. And there's an element of truth in that. And he said, no, Jesus didn't do that. He's, he pulled away to spend time with the father because that was his ministry. He was loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Gotcha. And that was, that was one of those aha moments. Wow. That's, yeah. and students that I have, they're going to hear me say that at some point, you know, that we, we spend time with God because that's our duty. That's our the first commandment. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're to love him with everything that we are. And so it's like almost like a lot of people are spending time with God, not just out of devotion and love for the Lord, but what the Lord can still do for them and giving yeah. them the energy. So I tell you. And again, I go back to that prayer in Ephesians 3. He's praying, you know, I pray that you know the height, the depth of God's love. I, I think that love changes us. Why do you think so many people have, have trouble reckon, recognizing that the depth of God's love for them? And I know that's a very broad question. Yeah. Just... I, I think we disciple people and we give them basics, read the Bible, you know, pray. And, and, yeah. you know, no, nobody really taught me to pray. Uh, you know, I remember as a young Christian, somebody said, you know, Every man needs to have a family altar. And I thought, what the heck is that? Do you, yeah. They sell us at a Christian bookstore or something like that. And you know, <laughs> it was on a plaque. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? But to, to, I think we, we move past discipleship and I'm probably not saying that right, but we go to the next level when we're, when we're really seeking God just to know him and sitting in his presence and yeah. letting his love uh, surround us, you know, quiet times, yeah. Uh, times of uh, contemplation. Uh, I, I do a little exercise. Alice Freiling shared this in one of her books. And she, she said, take Psalm uh, 4610a, be still and know that I'm God. And do this for 12 minutes. Just say for two minutes, go think about, say a couple of times, be still and know that I'm God. Yeah. All right. Next two minutes, be still and know that I am. Yeah. Be still and uh, know. 
be be still be yeah and see what god does in that time and just take you know this 10 12 minutes to do that and it i, I often do that when i wake up in the middle of the night can't go back to sleep and and that just gives me peace That's what you'll and do. rest and uh yeah it pulls pulls you into that loving relationship that, that i would probably say for myself that is always you know me well, but being quiet is always one of my greatest struggles. I think it's uh, for all of us. My when I when COVID happened, I got COVID. My wife sent me into the woods to just basically die in a cabin by myself for ten days, and uh, I was I was secluded for ten days around nobody. And um, man, I thought I was going to go nuts just being in there and not having anybody to talk to. So. Um, okay. Next question. Um, so that's when I realized like I would not make it on a desert Island <laughs> by, my, by myself. Um, so one of the things that, that I've seen in ministry a lot, and even with Christian business leaders is that, you know, when you ask them, Hey, how have you stayed healthy or what hobbies do you have outside of ministry or your business? You know, they always say, well, my hobby is building my ministry or my hobby is building the business. And we, you and I both know that those are not hobbies. That's part of your job. So what does it look like for you? As long as you've been in ministry to stay healthy in ministry, what are some things that you've done? Yeah, you, you have, you have to have diversions. And yeah. uh, I was a carpenter for 10 years. I still like working with wood. Yeah. Uh, I'm a surfer still do it and okay. uh, a couple times this summer surf behind a boat but sur surf in the ocean uh love cars that's yeah. always been a hobby I have an old uh, 59 chevy pickup truck that's restored and just fun driving tinkering with that uh and you know I'm, i live on a lake so i can go out and fish in my backyard so that's yeah. fun yeah. yeah did was it always that way for you did you always from the very beginning or was there like a moment where you were like you know one of the things that i've heard billy graham said was like you know golf saved my golf saved me like that was my hobby. I think golf is the devil's game, but yeah, I agree. That's why we're men of God, Bill. And, um, and so was it always that way for you? Or did you hit a point where you're like, man, I, I need something besides just work and what I'm doing? Yeah. You know, my, my wife is, you know, best friend and we, yeah. she, we have always done crazy stuff together. We traveled around the country, you know, and just, insane when i rode a motorcycle she she's not going to ride on the back she wants a motorcycle yeah, yeah. and so we we always find something to do together and okay. that uh, the fact that she's there all the time it, it's always part of our life yeah uh, that we we got to have a diversion okay. right now we're just we're into we bought a camper and so we're going to trail around the country and uh, she wants to go out out west and you know hit montana and wyoming and all that and it's fun awesome. being with her and, and having that diversion. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, how do you measure success? Oh, gosh. Uh, I guess uh, that I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And it, it seems to have an effect because students like my classes. And that's yeah. God. Uh, that is really God. And uh, But being in a place where you enjoy, I get to do this. I, I always tell students, I teach for free. I grade they pay me to grade. Uh, that's the worst part. But I, I just love the classroom and what happens in the life of a student. Okay. And I've, I've been doing it at Southeastern. This is year 35. Okay. To, to have people come back and uh, talk to me and, and, you know, you never know if you're impacting somebody's life and then they come back and say, wow, 
you, you, you touched my life back there and wow, God, yeah. thank you for, for letting me be faithful in that moment. Six, and I, I guess that's success for me that I enjoy what I'm doing and it seems to have an effect on other and God seems to be working through me in those times. It, it humbles me. Yeah. And, and I just feel honored that I can do that. Was there, was there ever a season for you where, you know, I, one of the things that concerns me in, you know, specifically in the ministry world is, is that I think we have the wrong measurements of success. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I remember there was one Sunday when I was pastoring and it, it's so clear because I should have felt the opposite way that I went, I would always stand in the back during the last song of worship mm-hmm. because I enjoyed watching the crowd worship mm-hmm. and the room was totally full. I mean, not a seat, the balcony above us was full. And I remember standing there thinking, I should feel like I did it. I filled a church building and I packed this thing out and I stood there. And the only thing I could feel was there has to be more than this. Like I could not have given my life to Jesus and the gospel to fill rooms. And so I realized in that moment that I had a measurement of success that I didn't even know I had and was wrong. Was there ever anything like that for you? You know, as you were coming up that you were like, man, I, I realized I have some wrong measurements of success in this moment. Uh, gosh, I hate to say. <laughs> no, good. Say it. Give me uh, hope, know, Bill, that there's still good men and women in the kingdom. Out there. You know, we, we have a part of our mission statement at Southeastern and Dr. Ingle hits on it all the time is helping students to find their divine design. Yeah. And, and why? Because when you're doing what he created you to do, you are most full of joy. Yeah. You, you, you were blessed to be able to do it. And yeah. like I said, that humbles me. And to see that happen in students and to help them find that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always tell them, find something you love to do and do it so well that people will pay you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're just having fun. And, yeah. and I read a book a, a couple of years ago. It was written by a uh, sociologist professor at Cornell. Okay. And it was called 30 Life Lessons. And okay. from uh, 30 Life Lessons from, the, I, I want to say, the greatest people or something like that. Okay. But he, he interviewed, and he had his students, they interviewed over 5,000 people that were 55 and older. Okay. All different denominations, single, married. All. And, you know, what, what have you found out about life? And when it came, the chapter on work was money's not it. Yeah. Find something that just gives you an inward joy. And, and yeah. to me, that's your divine design, that you love doing this and they're paying you to do it. And uh, if, if that's not ministry, find something else. My wife and I just literally had the same conversation because uh, I think I have a, like 37 jobs at this point in my life. <laughs> and I said, I'm at the point where now it's, it's calling over career. And I don't, I don't want to do the things that I feel like I should do. Now, money's always a factor and I'm not yeah, you know, sure. just being like, I'm going to live in the woods and, you know, live off the land like you and your wife are going to do in Alaska, <laughs> like you and Judy, we claim this for Hackett, um, <laughs> you know, but it does. I think there is a point where you, you have to really figure out like, what is it that God has called me to and how do I stay faithful to that calling? Mm, yeah. Um, so what are you currently, because you still work with students, but what are you looking for in other great leaders? What am I looking for in other great leaders? I guess like, that passion for God. Yeah. And, and very, you know, so many things that you've talked about, you know, what do you have hobbies? 
Yeah. Are you, you know, in a sense, do is there a, a type of balance in your life? Uh, yeah. Are you refreshed? Do you, you know, I had a, I teach a practicum class and mm-hmm. uh, I had a guest speaker and youth pastor and I, I asked him, just share what you didn't learn in college and, and what you have found. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said, if you can do something else beside ministry, do it. Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, because it, there's there's fun. He said he when he was a little kid, he just loved to preach. Yeah, and uh, but he says I don't do that all the time. And no. I mean, you have uh, you have suicide, you have deaths, you know, and someone's always things. mad at you. They're, yeah, there's not the fun part of ministry, and no. you know, but, no, but but if you but he said I still love ministry overall. Yeah. This is what I get to do. Well, and that's, I, I actually just had a, my son who is 19 years old. He just asked me to have lunch with a friend of his and his friend's 20 and he feels like God's calling him. And that was the same advice I gave him. I said, if you can do anything else, do it. Yeah. And he's like, well, why, why? And I go, because I go, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Yeah. Someone's always going to be mad at you. Things aren't going to go right. And I said, and what keeps you doing ministry is your calling that you know that you can't do anything else for the rest of your life, but yeah. this. Yeah. So I think you, you mentioned Eugene Peterson. Think of him. He didn't want a big church. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who could have had a big church, mm-hmm. but he wanted he wanted to know everybody's name. Yeah. In his congregation. And yep. that to me, that's okay. He found what was success for him. Yep. Now he could have gone the other way. And there, certainly there was probably the temptation. Oh, for sure. Do, you know, one of my one of my favorite books ever, if you haven't read it from him, uh, is which I'm sure you have, uh, is Letters to Young Pastors. Yeah. It is. So I read that and that book messed with me so much that I (laughs) basically stalked Eric Peterson and became (laughs) friends with him and got to interview him about his dad and the stuff his dad taught him. And I go, I said, yeah, I come from the mega church world. I never read much of your dad, but until like my world fell apart and he goes, yeah, dad's books aren't on a lot of mega church pastor shelves. (laughs) I started laughing so hard. Okay. I have a question for you. And and this is going to be, I know, I think I know you well enough that you're, you're not going to like answering this question. What is Bill Hackett's unfair advantage? So there is something about you're a great, you're a great professor. You're the, uh, whatever you said that your title is the provost emeritus or emeritus provost, whatever tomato, tomato, but what is, you know, I, I sought you out when I was pastoring a church and, and said, man, I want to learn from you and everybody, your, your son-in-law, Chris Owen is actually on our 1010 board, Charlie Dawes, all these people speak so highly of you. And so many students want to take your classes. What is your unfair advantage that you would say? Uh, I guess being, uh, <laughs> not letting those doctorates or those degrees go to your head. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just a tool that I needed and, and wanted and, uh, to be better at what I do. Yeah. Uh, but I want to be down there for students. You know, if, I, I tell students all the time, if there's something I'm doing in class that is just not working, let me know. Yeah. I'm, I'm open for criticism. And, and I guess I, I just try to listen and, and learn. And I, I feel I can learn from students as well. They can learn from me. And I guess there's, there's that connectedness there. Yeah. That, so um, I'm not, you don't have to call me Dr. Hackett, you know, yeah, let's well, lunch. So I may be getting my doctorate through Southeastern and I'm making everybody call me doctor. (laughs) I will not not even respond to anything else. Uh, My children, my wife, everybody's calling me Dr. Turner um, because I can make a lot of jokes. But one of the things I noticed about you, even in this conversation, 
there is, and this isn't in my, this isn't in my questions I wrote to ask you, but you keep saying the word humble, humble, humble. And you, even what you just said that I believe that there are, I can learn just as much from students as I can learn from me. All my doctorates don't matter. All the stuff that I'm doing, you're getting certified as a spiritual director right now through another university. How have you stayed humble, Bill? Like I, I see so many guys and, and this isn't to like throw shade on people or whatever that, how do I say this Christ-like they aren't half the man that you are with sure. their integrity, their education, the way that they've raised their family. I'm friends with your daughter. And I mean, good Lord, the way that she speaks of you, how have you continued to stay humble in this in life? Yeah, I guess Henry now and again said the way up is down. Yeah. And, uh, and I've seen when you look at somebody like a Billy Graham or uh, a mother Teresa, you know, they, they would, how close do you feel with God? Probably we feel so far away. Yeah. The more we know of him and, and see that, you know, uh, he loves us in spite of us. Yeah. Uh, I've got to, I've got to realize that that's, that's so true. And, you know, pride comes before a fall. Yeah. You know, always. So, I, I've been warned of that, certainly. Yeah. And I, I remember one uh, time, uh, a fellow by the name of Mike Rakes, I don't know if you know Mike, he's mm -hmm. the president now of Evangel University. Okay. He, he worked at Southeastern in student development. He had, uh, he had Bethany Thomas's job. Okay. And uh, he, he said, I said, Mike, what do we need to pray for this year? And he said, pray pride. That was the nastiest time because God was pointing out so many little things yeah. that I did. Even in, in serving somebody, oh, look, Bill, they're looking at you because you're being yeah. a servant. Ooh, I'm thinking that there's pride there, yeah. that, that people are looking at me. And man, you know, you, you've got to get rid of that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's a, a lifelong thing to, to work at uh, running the opposite way from pride okay. and, and arrogance and, yeah. and just realizing who you are in, in the face of God. And, and for you, it's always coming back to who Christ is and his grace in your life. Yeah. He's gentle and lowly. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Two last questions. Okay. Um, this one, it could be a hard one depending on your slant, but where do you see the future of the church going? Uh, are you, are you hopeful or are you like, good Lord, we're in trouble? Well, I'm always trying to be hopeful. Yeah. Uh, well, you're uh, a better man than me, Bill. We've just, we've already, established, we've already established that. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's still his church. And yeah. Uh, I think, again, if we would humble ourselves and spend time with him and really seek out as, as leaders, what does he want to do? Is it, yeah. is it mega church? Is that the answer? Yeah. Uh, do we get lost when we do that? And uh, I always feel if you, if you get bigger, you got to grow smaller. Mm -hmm. You have to have small groups. You have to have people connecting at some point. Yeah. And uh, I, I think you know, Jesus looked over the, the city and he wept mm -hmm. there. And I think we need to look over and weep at our, our culture, our country, where it's going. And, uh, but that's where we pray as well. Lord, yeah. help us, help us to be the church. There, I don't, I think I mentioned this book to you, church refugees. Yeah, you did. Recently. And the one thing hypocritical, homophobic, uh, judgmental, yeah. th th those are Pharisees. Yeah. 
Oh, and when yeah. people say that about the church, we're in trouble. Yeah. We've got to lead with love and not let uh, our holiness or our doctrine get out of the way of loving people. Yep. And I think if we would get back to loving people, I think the world is looking for that. Yeah. You know, even though we, 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 we don't believe that somebody uh, can be ho- gay. Yeah. Uh, but we still love them. For sure. And uh, I think in loving them, they're going to feel welcome in our place. And okay, we have this difference, but I still care about you. I want to yep. be your friend. I'm here for you. Uh, yeah. I just had this conversation with a, with a really good friend of mine and he, his wife's sister um, is gay and she was marrying, you know, an, uh, a lady obviously. And he's like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, should I go to the wedding? Should I go whatever? And, and I just said, man, what do you think Jesus would have done? Yeah. <laughs> like, like would Jesus have been like standing on the outside, you know, hollering or what, or would he have gone and sat in the yeah. wedding and loved them regardless? And I think even in my own life, you know, pastoring in Orlando was a very unique city to pastor in. There were so many times that yeah. you had to, you can put your theology aside yeah. and not a hundred percent agree with someone in order to love them so that the love of Christ may be able to move their heart. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I love that answer. And okay. Last question. So we're doing, let me, let me add to yeah, that. Uh, yeah, please. It's kind of along that from that book of uh, church refugees. I yeah. had a, I had a uh, professor that we hired uh, mm-hmm. a while ago and uh we're in a book club together on campus and with a few others. And uh, she said to me uh, about two weeks ago, she said, you know, I shared with you at one point that I don't know if I'm a Christian. Yeah. And you, you didn't drop your jaw. You said, well, that's okay. And she said, wow. You know, so many people in the church would, would think I'm going off the deep end or yeah. to have an encounter with me. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Uh, because I, I love her as, as an individual and I figured, okay, we can work through this. Yeah. Right. I'm glad she's questioning it, but yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah. It's what's the saying we need to build relationships that can bear the weight of the gospel. Yeah. And, and I think so many times we try to, we, one of the, I travel a lot. So one of the word things that makes me cringe is when I'm sitting on an airplane and I hear someone start witnessing to someone that they have no relationship with yeah. and they're just Bible beating them. And I'm like, I just want to grab them and shake them and go, I'm a pastor for the love of God. Stop this. Like, you're not helping, you know? And so, but I can't do that because of uh, sky marshals um, or air marshals. <laughs> so last question. So we're doing a bunch of these podcasts. I think I have five or six next week uh, that I'm doing. What is one question that you would want to ask the next leader on this podcast? Cause I'm going to ask him that and I'm going to tell him it's from you, Bill. So make it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh gosh. I didn't know you were going to have it. Uh, just, just uh, what is God saying to them right now? Okay. What, what is he speaking into their, their life? Okay. And hopefully they're going to have an answer for that. And, and, and I mean, that's, that's basically a spiritual development question, yeah. you know, a, a director question where you're asking them, what do you think God's saying to you here? But it challenges the person to really think along that line. And, yeah. and I think good friends ask us, what are you reading in the Bible now? Yeah. Where is it? What sin are you struggling with right now? Those yeah. sort of questions are, are 
help people to think and, and particularly of leaders, you know, yeah. what is God saying to you right now? Are they hearing from God? Yeah. Or, or are they just going through the motions? <laughs> so. Josh, I am so honored to, to be on this podcast with you. I, I, was no, so I, I, I love yeah. you so much, man. I, I texted your daughter and your son-in-law today and I was like, man, I get to spend some time with, with <laughs> the Dr. Hackett. And so you are, um, I get choked up saying this to you. I mean, for real, um, you are a man that I aspire to be like, right. and um, be better. the way, yeah, that's what I always tell people to aim higher. Um, yeah. You man, the way you've lived your life, uh, your children, your grandchildren. Um, I hope when I'm your age, Hey, I hope I live to your age. I told my wife, if I make it past 65, we're good at this point. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really do. You, you are a man, um, for everybody listening to this, that Bill Hackett is a man worth following. And, um, just thank you so much for doing this. We love you. you. And, um, yeah. it was an honor talking to you today. And it goes likewise. So, I think highly of Josh Turner. Well, thank you, you sir. Have, you have impacted my life and I love what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm glad you. you're a part of SEU because we need you. Well, thank we you. We need people of your caliber. Nowhere, nowhere did anyone ever think I would work in higher education, Bill. There you go. God has <laughs> so, a sense of humor. <laughs> but, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate yeah. you. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Bless All you right. and your family, Josh. Yes, sir. Take Bye, care. Bye-bye. We could carry each other.